This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode 45. To eat or not to eat, what does the Bible say? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. And welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric, and we're glad you could join us again for episode 45, To Eat or Not to Eat, What Does the Bible Say? And as Pastor Strobel said right before we began, he's for eating. And uh, (laughs) I think uh, I also am as well. Although, I have lost uh, 16 pounds in the last three weeks. Well, praise the Lord. So I've been working on that. Good job. Got another 30 to go. <laughs> See how that turns out. But uh, tonight we don't have the young lad, the young the boy protege, wonder. the boy wonder. <laughs> Sad event. His uh, microphone eventually did fail, and uh, he was not able to join us tonight. But have no fear, we have Pastor Matt joining us. Pastor Matt, how are you this evening? No, I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Thanks for thanks for being here. And Pastor Matt is my pastor here in beautiful, sunny uh, Vestal, New York. Wow. Wow, it's sunny there? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. I also said beautiful when I... <laughs> <laughs> You're lying all the way around, aren't you? No, it is beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, area. What did you say, Pastor? Yeah, yeah. We didn't cancel church last night. Most churches did, but we yeah, had it. We're not afraid. Yeah. No, we're not afraid. Good job. So we got Pastor Matt joining us in place of the uh, young boy wonder who could not be here with a broken microphone. And uh, we also have Pastor Strobel. Pastor Strobel, how are you? Good. Good. And We well, didn't cancel church either. <laughs> how was your weather out there? We got hit with pretty good snow. It wasn't, um, wasn't crippling, but uh, it was kind of messy driving, a little dangerous in places. I tell our folks, as long as I can get there, we'll have church, you know, whether you can get there or not. <laughs> so far, I've been able to get there all the time. Amen. Amen. We, we canceled. Uh, I work in a school. We, we didn't have school uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, out of respect for the children's safety, that's always nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we also have Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve, how are you this evening? I'm doing very well. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we still have, you know, Pastor Steve, Pastor Strobel, and well, Pastor Matt tonight <laughs> been promoted, <laughs> and your voice has changed too. Uh, but it's good we to could, have Pastor Matt here. We yeah. could just ordain Eric. We'd we'd all yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's there's got to be one uh, one neophyte of the group. <laughs> so what's new? What's everybody been up to? I like to just throw that out because nobody knows. Should I speak now? Or? <laughs> We're not in well, the same room, so it's kind of hard to know. Yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> so, what's new, Pastor uh, Steve? Well, not a whole lot. I mean, uh, you guys talk about the weather. Uh, we had a big miss down here. I mean, we hardly got any snow at all. I say hardly any. I mean, we got maybe four or five inches. Nothing like what you know Chicago pr- reportedly had gotten. 
Uh, I don't know how much Pastor Strobel got. He's a bit north of us. But uh, the roads still were, were greasy and, and slippery, and, and the winds picked up for a little while yesterday afternoon and then quickly subsided. So it wasn't, all in all, it really wasn't as bad as what some other places in the country experienced. But um, just, you know, just always doing something. I mean, uh, this last week uh, had an opportunity to travel over near Syracuse, a um, place called uh, Elbridge, New York, and uh, saw Brother Donovan a couple of times. Uh, he uh, went out there Friday and Saturday and uh, saw him preach along with uh, Brother Massey from uh, Stanford, Connecticut. <clears throat> they were in special meeting together. And then, uh, was it Monday, was out, uh, uh, Brother Phil Shikalski and I were out at uh, Attica and had a good time out there with the guys. And tomorrow we're going to City Mission and preaching down there, trying to minister the, the gospel to some fellows there that are in some need. So just uh, staying busy. Amen. Are you, are you going to Youth Ablaze this year? Uh, if we don't go to uh, uh, the blowout, mm-hmm. which it doesn't look like we're going to, then we'll probably go to Youth Ablaze. Yeah. Now, do you go, what days do you go? Because uh, it's Thursday, Friday, Friday, and Saturday, right? Right. Um, more than likely, we'll go, uh, since we're not going to be staying there, uh, driving back and forth, probably go Thursday and Friday. Because all they have is Sunday morning or Saturday morning, till about noon or somewhere around there, and then they then they close up. So and then Thursday's just Thursday evening, right? <clears throat> right, Thursday evening, and I'll go probably back uh, Friday evening. Oh, I see. So you won't be there in the day. No, I, I, some of us have to work for a living. So <laughs> I think I think if you I might rem- probably get a snow day that day, or you guys are off for holiday break, right? <clears throat> no, not off. Oh, you're not off? No, and I'm debating whether to try and take a personal day, my last personal day to go to that, mm. just for Friday, because Friday's the all-day part. Right, right. I think this was a good day. Yeah, Matt and I went last time, and uh, we just kind of showed up at the last minute, and uh, it was good. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it to anyone. You yeah. don't have a kid to go there. And we'll uh, I'll put the information up on the show notes so people can people can see that. Pastor Strobel, how about you? Yes, first of all, I, I, we our Lord willing, heading to Youth Ablaze, take uh, some kids from our church down there, and it's a very good time. Uh, I think it, I think for some it's Youth Ablaze, and for others it's Adult Ablaze. But amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. I was like, wow. It I mean, is. If it's, you can't make it to the blood, I'd say that 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 was right up there. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Amen. And last time we were on a podcast, I was mentioning we were in the early stages. Uh, I was uh, preparing to begin a preaching class for some of our young men and men, and we've gone ahead and started that. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by the response. I I was really expecting about um, three, maybe four guys to sign up for. We wound up with 10 of them. So we've been doing that on uh, Friday nights and... um, We've had two classes thus far, and tomorrow night uh, is number three, and really having a good time with it. Amen. Pastor Matt, right here in the room, I don't often have someone in the studio here with me, so that's that's pretty neat. No, everything's going good. I, just a, just a quick a quick story. We had a, uh, I think it was three years ago. We we got the building which, which we're in today. Uh, there in Vestal, it's up on this big hill, and we purchased the building. Just it was a miracle. We got it for fifteen thousand dollars. 
uh, you can't get a car for that, you know, I mean, just, <laughs> wow. uh, you know, it's it fully equipped. Everything was ready. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, we're just, a, we're just a small group. We went up there with about, I think we had about uh, 15 or 20 people, you know, and, uh, we said, we got to get somewhere to plow the driveway, you know, the, the parking lot. So, so we just bought a little tractor over a craftsman tractor and, uh, and got a plow for the front of it. And, uh, but we'll, but a week or two later, someone pulled up and and uh, and and took it away from us. You know, just someone backed their truck up and stole it. Oh no! And uh, and, and that next week, uh, Sunday morning, it was a big snowstorm, and uh, some guy just pulled in the driveway and he and he plowed the driveway for us. And I went out to thank him, you know, and he said, uh, kind of told him the story, and he said, you know, don't worry about it. He goes, so from now on, I'm going to plow it for free. And uh, and he's done this for you know it's three years now. And when he's out of town, he has someone from his company come up and plow it for us. Amen. And uh, so every time I would p- pull up to the preserved park parking lot, I see it cleared. I just praise the Lord, you know. Amen. Amen. So amen. Amen. But but pray for him. We're we're going to try and get you know uh, get him the gospel. You know, I don't I don't believe that he's don't believe that he's saved. And only really talked to him and said hi and said thank you once or twice. You know, uh, but I do know where he works. So yeah. Amen. That's, amen. That's that is an answer to prayer because we're up on top of a hill and it can be clear and at the bottom of the hill. But yeah, oh yeah, we can sometimes get some snow up there. It's it's always snowing up there, but it's good. And yeah, we put together a, a booklet. You want to talk about that for a minute? Oh, we put together a booklet. The booklet's titled titled "Is the Bible True?" It says, "Our God's perfect, our God's perfect words preserved in the King James sixteen eleven Bible." It can it be proven? So this booklet is just really for someone that uh, doesn't even uh, really just doesn't believe the Bible, and it, it proves the Bible, you know, both scientifically and and through uh, historical evidence, and also you know through some different uh, you know prophecies and things like that. And so we're putting this together. In fact, uh, maybe you can put something on your uh, mm-hmm. web page about that. Uh, Do you have the uh, the computer like copy of that? Yes. So if somebody wanted to get a copy of it, could we like yeah, they a PDF just, file and we could email it to them? Yeah, they can just print it off and make it themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's Amen. good stuff. So we'll put that up in the show notes as well. So, you know, we'll link to if someone wants to request it. They certainly can, and let's, we'll just email it to them. Good. Is there a way to make it simpler on, on you to just put the file on the website so they could download it? Probably could, don't you think? Just put it. Oh, I can convert it to a PDF. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just a Word document right now, but it can you know whatever, mm-hmm. whatever is easy. I'll, they, I'll be downloading. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Me idea. Too. And then they can just have a link. You want you want to just mention a few things that are in there? Uh sure, sure. Here I'll I'll read the first uh, first three here. Uh, it's under the the science the science science category. The first one is Isaiah forty. Uh, 22 in 712 BC, uh, this was this was written, and it says, uh, "It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth." And it wasn't till uh, 1492 when man knew that the earth was round. With I believe it was Magellan that sailed there around the uh, around the world there, and so we found that out that the earth was round. Many people believed, obviously, that the earth was earth was flat. And then yeah. in Job chapter 25, 5. In uh, 1520 BC, uh, he wrote, "Behold, even to the moon, and it shi- it shineth not." Uh, in 1520 BC, the Bible knew that the moon did not have any light of its own. You know, 
uh, that we know the moon is a reflection of light and that we look up and we can see it as being lit up, but it doesn't give light on its own. Uh, man had no no idea of that. And then Job chapter 26, verse 7, this is also in 1520 B.C., says he stretcheth out the uh, out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. You know, man believed that it was a atlas that held mm-hmm. the held the world up. You know, but we know that God hung the hung the hung the earth upon nothing. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's just three things. And there's uh, I don't know a couple dozen here of different different prophecies and things that just you know when people read that they say, wow, you know, it's amazing how the Bible's true. Amen. So that's Amen. good stuff. So. It's a good idea, Pastor Strobel. I'll put a, a PDF a link for it, so if somebody would like to download it and check it out for themselves or print it out and make a little booklet themselves, they can. Amen. You know, while there's a little pause here, um, I think this might be a good time to mention that uh, we're in 2011, and uh, this year we're celebrating the 400th anniversary of the publishing of the King James Bible. And uh, been around for 400 years, the Lord using it and blessing it. And uh, it's kind of kind of uh, people that love the the book are taking note. Um, there's a conference that's coming up in uh, I believe it's in April in Toledo, place where we've uh, attended. Pastor Steve and I have attended uh, pastor school there, mm-hmm. and uh, one I, I just want to kind of alert the listeners. Amen. Amen. I don't have anything for a quote of the day, and we actually didn't talk about it before we uh, began today. Does anyone have anything they wanted to mention? And uh, I'm not fast enough for the crickets. <laughs> but uh, while we're uh, thinking about that, I'm going to uh, we'll do this quick, uh, quick ad here. What does the Bible say about suicide? Is it ever okay? What about extreme circumstances? Are there examples of people committing suicide in the Bible? Follow along with us as we take a look at this disturbing but important topic in episode 31, Suicide is Not Painless, only on FatsInTheBible.com. All right, so you can check that out. If I could add something, uh, you know, when Brother Strobel did that, uh, that uh, uh, study, that uh, to be honest with you, that is the best thing I've ever, ever, ever heard on uh, on the subject of suicide. Mm-hmm. And um, if uh, if anyone you know thinks that it's rather a morbid subject to to uh, listen to, it's it. Uh, I would behoove them. It would behoove. <laughs> they ought to listen to it. <laughs> uh, sorry for the stumbling there, but it, it, it's really well done, and yeah. it uh, covers the subject, and it. Uh, it really has an impact, and uh, I would encourage somebody to listen to that if they have a mind so to do. Amen. And I guess just on the home front here for me, I just moved into uh, a home, a new a new house, or a new house to me. It's a 40-year-old house, but uh, a house nevertheless out of an apartment. So thank God for him allowing me to have that. So, Amen. That's been good, and but it's been busy, and as a result, um, just got everything kind of set up again so we could do the, uh, the podcast again. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, and uh, we don't have Matt to, uh, to uh, spar with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the moment, 
I'm, I'm sure he'll be tuning in, though. Steve, is there anything you want to say to him? Nah, I'll wait till he comes back. It's not fair if I just do it on my own. It's no fun either. All right. Well, I, mean, I have to say the, the topic that you, you mentioned tonight, to eat or not to eat, what does the Bible say? You've got to have some people scratching their heads thinking, what? <laughs> I'm supposed to not eat? I thought, I thought suicide? What's going on here? <laughs> so, are, are you about ready? We'll go ahead and I am start ready. I'm ready. All right. So, here's uh, Pastor Steve with To Eat or Not To Eat, What Does the Bible Say? Well, amen, guys. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and as Eric has said, the title of the uh, study tonight is To Eat or Not to Eat, What Does the Bible Say? Uh, let's, uh, first off, let's uh, take our Bible and go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We'll begin there. And uh, while you're turning there, let me just say, just so that you're at ease as to whether you're, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about not eating or eating, uh, the the subject really is about vegetarianism versus those that uh, prefer to eat meat. Uh, that's really kind of where the crux of this study is coming from. And um, so, with that in mind, let's go ahead and go to First Timothy chapter four, and let's take a look at what the Bible says here as an introduction to uh, the subject that we're going to be talking about tonight. In verse one, it says, "Now the Spirit speaketh expressly." that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats. Now, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're thankful for the time that we have here this evening. I'm thankful for the guys that are on the podcast with me, and uh, their input and uh, uh, camaraderie and fellowship that uh, we could have, the time that we've spent before we came on air just uh, talking and, and enjoying each other's company and fellowship. Lord, pray that you'd bless each and every one. Father, we ask that you'd bless this study tonight. Pray, Lord God, that you'd fill me with your spirit. Help me to remember the things that uh, you've put into my heart and my mind that have written down. Lord, pray that it might make sense. I pray that uh, you would help in every way for these folks to understand what you have to say about these things. And Lord, uh, as you said in your scripture, let God be true and every man a liar. Uh, Father, uh, pray for the ears of the hearers uh, as to whenever they hear it, Lord, uh, uh, in the next few days or in the next few weeks or months or years, I uh, pray that this study would have an impact and, and uh uh, Lord, help them through these uh, these struggles of this subject. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake and for his sake alone. Amen. Amen. We're living in these days where it talks about perilous times shall come. And uh, uh, we're living in a day and age where things become a volatile issue. I, we were talking earlier uh, that it doesn't seem to matter what subject we talk about, for someone it's going to be controversial. And in these days, uh, one of those controversial subjects is that subject where it talks about forbidding to marry, not so much that one, but commanding to abstain from meats. Now, you know, I, I used to use that as a proof text that the Roman Catholic Church was in error 
And I still believe that they're in error, but I used to use that uh, meats there as being meat, chicken, and so forth and so on. Uh, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, you know, there are people today that uh, one thing is good to eat and another thing is bad. And and one thing's good for you. What somebody said was bad for you 10 years ago is now good for you. And, and the issue just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, I will say this, that that this subject is a personal issue. It's a volatile issue. Uh, along with that, it's a passionate issue. And uh, in many respects, it's a contested issue. And it's really not relegated to the secular world, uh, but it's made its way into the Christian community. Uh, and that has become uh, an issue there within the church. Uh, to eat or not to eat, <laughs> that is the question. To uh, paraphrase uh, Mr. Shakespeare. Uh, the reason people have some uh, uh, reasons for these things, uh, um, they have um, trouble, let's say, with, with wanting their opinion and their conviction to be heard and understand and, and believed. I mean, it's personal to them. They have uh, this idea in their heart and mind, whether it's to be a vegetarian or whether to be a meat eater. And uh, to them, it's important. And they have this thing, uh, a conviction, an opinion, and uh, it spreads for a lot of reasons why they may take that one opinion or another. For example, it may be a religious issue. It may be a political issue. It may be an ethical issue. It could be a health issue. Uh, you know, I've been in church long enough to know that uh, fads come and go. There was a preacher several years ago that was touting the benefits of cabbage, cabbage soup diet. And the only thing that he ate was cabbage soup. Now, he was a big man, and he had a lot of weight to lose and so forth. And, and uh, he had read up on all this stuff and, and was convinced that this cabbage soup diet would, uh, would do the trick. And, and he did lose some weight and so forth. Uh, but, you know, there are some that would have one particular view or another, and they feel that it's God's call in their life to make sure that everyone knows what their conviction is and that everyone else should have their conviction as well. Uh, diets, you know, the... the <laughs> They come in many shapes, forms, and sizes, all different kinds, and, and people have them for health reasons. Um, and again, uh, the, the saying goes, what must be good for me must be good for you. Uh, another reason that I mentioned was a religious issue. And of course, I mentioned it earlier, just a few moments ago, that the Roman Catholic Church commanded to abstain from meats. Now, the Bible uh, uses the term meats. We could use the term food. Uh, you know, back when I was growing up, I had some friends that were Roman Catholic that lived across the street, and I would go and eat with them, and on occasion on Fridays, and uh, they never served meat on Friday. They served fish. They didn't serve any chicken. They didn't serve any beef. They didn't serve any pork. They served fish. And uh, it was a command from the church. I believe, if I have my facts straight, 
Vatican II came along, I believe, in the early 60s, and they changed that so that you were not supposed to eat meat except on Friday during Lent. There might be some other special occasions in there. Unless you decided not to eat meat at all during the Lent season, you give that up, you're fasting and so forth. Uh, but they commanded that you not eat meat. And that's, again, going back to First Timothy chapter, chapter uh, 4, that is a doctrine of devil, and it's giving heed to seducing spirits. Now, uh, that's what the Bible says. I mean, you, you want to argue that point, you can argue that point, but that's what the Bible says. There are, there are other religions that command to abstain from meat. They're vegetarian in their diet. Uh, Hindus and Buddhists and others uh, believe that they should uh, be vegetarians and not eat meat. I got thinking about the reason why that, and, and, and I looked up a few things, but one of the things I think that stuck out to me was the fact that they believe in reincarnation. And all, uh, and when they all die, they either ascend or descend into another life form. Uh, whether they become a better human being than what they were before, different caste systems, so forth, as far as the Hindus are concerned, they maybe go up in their caste system or down, uh, or they may even uh, become some other life form, such as an animal or an insect. And in those religions, the creatures are uh, special in that regard because of that very issue. Uh, the other thing is is uh, the ethical uh, point of view. Uh, they are against the way uh, humans treat animals. They believe it's inhumane. One of the major uh, groups that, that champions that cause is PETA, uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Uh, I ran into, I did some research, and I ran into to, uh, some people here. <clears throat> One uh, gentleman is by the name of Tom Reagan. He's a professor of uh, philosophy at North Carolina State University, and he argues that animals possess inherent value as subjects of a life. Uh, he also writes, and I'm, I'm skipping a little bit here from the article that he's, uh, that he's written, but it says that Reagan is a rights theorist and argues that animals have basic moral rights, and most important of which is the right to respectful treatment. He argues uh, additionally that animals have a moral right not to be harmed, uh, which can be overridden only when the right is morally uh, outweighed uh, by other valid moral principles. Uh, he therefore argues that an individual has a duty to lead a vegetarian way of life. So his belief, his ethics in regards to treatment of animals leads him to the point where he believes that all of us should lead a vegetarian way of life. Another fellow that, uh, by the name of Gary L. Franconi, is a professor of law at Rutgers School of Law in Newark, argues that animals are, uh, I had this word all figured out, and now, I, now that the show comes up, I, I mess it up. Uh, sentient being, uh, sentient, in other words, they are aware, sentient, there it is, sentient. 
they are aware, they're cognizant of, of things going on around them. Uh, and that this is sufficient to grant them moral consideration. Like Reagan, Franconi is a rights theorist and an abolitionist. He writes that all sentient beings should have at least one right, the right not to be treated as property. And that is, uh, uh, and that there is no moral justification for using non-humans for our purposes. He further argues that adopting uh, veganism, which is a form of vegetarianism, uh, should be regarded as a baseline action taken by people concerned with animal rights. Now, both of these fellows, vegetarians are those that believe in not eating meat, although they will uh, eat uh, meat products such as milk and cheese. A vegan, on the other hand, is one that won't, uh, will not eat meat but, and also abstains from animal products. So just to make that distinction. Uh, <clears throat> I read across uh, some other information from uh, uh, Mr. Reagan here, and I just wanted to read this last little bit here. As for the passion, there are times, and these, uh, and these not infrequent, when tears come to my eyes when I see or read or hear of the wretched plight of animals in the hands of humans, their pain, their suffering, their loneliness, their innocence, their death, anger, rage, pity, sorrow, disgust, and basically that's stating the, the, the range of emotions that he goes through when he reads such things. <laughs> the whole creation groans under the weight of the evil we humans visit upon these mute, powerless creatures. It is our hearts, not just our heads, that call for an end to it all, that demand of us that we overcome uh, for them the habits and forces behind the systematic oppression. All great movements, it is written, go through three stages, ridicule, discussion, adoption. It is the realization of this third stage, adoption, that requires both our passion and our discipline, our hearts and our heads, the fate of animals is in our hands. God grant we are equal to the task. When I got done reading that, I, I, I kind of made a note to myself at the bottom of the page. As I, I basically said, does, uh, does Dr. Reagan or Mr. Reagan really know what God has to say about animals? Um, you know, we, we go along and we just have these emotional feelings about things and and automatically our emotional feelings make it right regardless of what other information may say um i don't have this uh, right offhand but i remember hearing not too long ago that uh, uh peta being very active in animal rights and so forth is active in doing a lot of different things and and we'll get into that in just a moment um, but I just wanted to bring that, that name back up to you again so that you are aware that they are in the uh, ethical 
uh, uh, realm of, of uh, vegetarianism and so forth. Uh, another one is, is public uh, or political, I'm sorry, in regards to public health. I don't know if you remember, but uh, uh, some years ago in California, they had a proposition that came up uh, where uh, it was called Proposition 2. It was back in 2009, which would have affected the chicken and egg industry severely, not only in California, but also in Ohio. Uh, they were trying to put restrictions and, and laws and so forth to, to restrict the business at hand. Uh, not only that, but just recently, we've had uh, uh, the health issue being brought up in regards to meat and, and food, and that was in California when California decided, uh, it might have been only in San Francisco, I believe that probably was the case in San Francisco, where they, made it, where they outlawed Happy Meals from McDonald's, <clears throat> saying that they weren't healthy and so forth, and uh, they had to... Uh, dispense with the treats and the Happy Meals and all that because they didn't want children eating the unhealthy food just so that they could get the prize. And they're legislating uh, uh, the right of people to eat or not to eat. And uh, so instead of it being a free choice, they've taken that free choice out. Um, Legislation, as I talked about before, uh, talking about McDonald's and so forth, uh, the, they, uh, done that there. There's influences by high profile people, high profile people. Uh, back in January 4th, 2011, I got this, uh, thing, our, our good friend, uh, Paul McCartney was back in the news. Outspoken vegetarian Paul McCartney is urging India to declare a National Vegetarian Day to celebrate meat-free living and compassion towards animals. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals say McCartney sent a letter to, the, uh, to Indian Prime Minister um, Manhana Singh, probably got that name all wrong, uh, saying such a day could save animals while helping to protect both the environment and people's health. McCarthy's letter says it would be a celebration of life. The UN Food Agency in 2003 estimates, estimated 42% of India's 1.2 billion people are vegetarian due mostly to financial and religious concerns, strict Hindus and Jains, J-A-I-N-S, that's the first time I've heard of that one, uh, do not eat meat. And, of course, they didn't receive any response from the prime minister's office as receiving that letter. But what happens is there's influence from high-profile people, and they weigh in trying to use their clout to pressure people from in this case, to become vegetarian for the day. There's inference, which is more of an indirect route to get things across. <clears throat> when uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, as growing up as a child, there was a Walt Disney movie, and as soon as I said Walt Disney, most of you probably re- know what I'm talking about, but they gave personality to animals. And uh, Walt Disney came out with a movie called Bambi. 
And I can't remember if there was a dry eye in the house when Bambi's mother died from that mean, wicked hunter. And, of course, it's trying to evoke emotions, even in young children, by inference that uh, eating or killing such a thing is a bad thing. <clears throat> in more modern times, you have uh, a, a more modern movie called uh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo had a group of, uh, of sharks that were in a, uh, uh, how can I say, a Alcoholics Anonymous type of group uh, for not eating fish. They were trying to reform themselves from eating fish. And, of course, in the movie, the, the sharks uh, have their meeting. This says, let the meeting come to order. Let us all say the pledge. And they go through their pledge. And part of that pledge is fish are friends not food. That's subliminal. I mean, that's not really not coming out and saying you need to be vegetarian, but it's giving the inference to young people that fish are friends, they're not food. And so they try to influence people in that fashion. Uh, not only uh, inference and influence and so forth and, and, and making laws, but they are also programming people. And what I mean by programming is television programs. <clears throat> a few weeks back, uh, I was at the, the gym and I was working on the treadmill and I saw an ad for a show that was called Kill It, Cook It, Eat It. And uh, the, the uh, uh, promo to the show was, was basically going uh, and showing uh, how uh, farmers would, would uh, raise their, their uh, livestock and uh, would kill it and then prepare it, cook it, and then they'd eat it. And then they were going, to, if I remember correctly, <clears throat> they were going to some of the other uh, mass-producing places where your meat would come from, whether it's chicken or whether it was uh, beef or, or uh, pork, and show how they, how they kill them, and then how the food is prepared, and then how it gets to your table and you want to eat it. And, of course, the whole idea of the thing was an attempt to, to get people disgusted with how their food was prepared and how it got from the uh, uh, stockyard to your kitchen table. And of course, that's another attempt at trying to influence people and to stop eating meat. <clears throat> you also have intimidation. Intimidation is to, is to try to, to force people to uh, to do what they want uh, to um, uh, get their agenda across. Uh, some of you have seen the specials where they have these uh, boats that go in front of the whalers uh, that are attempting to, to um, kill whales and so forth for the blubber, the oil, and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and uh, they cut in front of them and they try to prohibit them from accomplishing the task. Of course, pretty dangerous job. The their boat is much smaller than the whaling ships, and uh, they take their lives into their hands, but they're very, very dedicated and passionate about their, their cause. Uh, around here, as I'm sure in other areas, those that are, that are uh, concerned about uh, leading the vegetarian lifestyle during hunting season are very adamant about going out into the woods and uh, spoiling the hunter's ability to be able to hunt. They go out in the fields and the woods and make noise <coughs> and uh, 
distractions and so forth, trying to scare the game away so that the hunter can't uh, can't shoot the deer. Uh, PETA, as I mentioned before, their part of their platform uh, I've heard and read is that they're against even having pets. And uh, I heard of this case, and I, ha- I haven't been able to find the source, but I, uh, let me just say this, and, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. But uh, they've gone into some of these places where they, where they take animals and, and uh, let's say, like a puppy mill or whatever. And uh, they've gone in and they've killed the animals to prevent the animals from becoming pets. So uh, they're really not <laughs> uh, really all that concerned with, with how the animals are treated as long as their agenda is taken and gotten across. Now, from my standpoint and, and discussions that I've had with, with people, especially those that are uh, siding with vegetarianism and so forth, uh, there are people that are want desperately to get back into the garden, and uh, they want it to be like it used to be. And uh, so in that attempt, they're going back to be vegetarian. Now, the question is, is to eat or not to eat, what does the Bible say? And what I want to do now is I want to take a, a trip through the Bible and just see what God says in regards to man's diet from beginning to end. So if you would, please take your Bible and go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, let's take a look at what the diet was supposed to be for men in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 1, let's start in verse 26. We'll go read 26 through 30. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, man, Adam and Eve, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, before we go any further, you understand what dominion means. That means rulership. That means determining what should be done with them. Dominion. Uh, Pick it up again. uh, That creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which uh, is the fruit of the tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat, for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. So at the beginning, when God created man, when he created the Garden of Eden and put man in it, all of the beasts of the field, all of the creeping things, all the birds of the air, and man himself 
were to eat of the trees of the, of the garden, the fruit of the trees and every green herb. So those things were, were men's, eat, uh, men's food. They were not supposed to be meat eaters. Uh, even the animals ate uh, the fruit of, of the trees and the green herbs, and it was all for them. Now, go to Genesis chapter 2. Let's just uh, kind of re- rehash this just a little bit more. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, <clears throat> And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Uh, Of course, there was a proviso there, and of course, we'll get into that. But of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So that was what man was supposed to eat. Now, once the fall of man took place, let's see what God says after the fall. And still after the fall, but it's pre-flood before the flood. So go to Genesis chapter 3 and verses 17 through 19, and this is part of the judgment that is placed upon Adam that God uh, gave not only to Adam uh, but also to Eve and to the serpent, but these are the commands that he gave to Adam. In verse 17, it says, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast uh, wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. So it was uh, Adam was to be a gardener and uh, one that took care of the of uh, the trees and so forth, the fruit bearing trees. And that's what he was to eat. There's still, at this point, he was not to eat meat. He was still a vegetarian. After the curse, uh, after the flood, before the flood, after the fall, before the flood, they were still vegetarian. Take a look in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. This is talking about Noah. And God's telling him to get into the ark. And he says in verse 21, and take thou unto thee, uh, he's already told him about gathering all the animals and so forth, and, and this is the command when he gets all those animals into the ark, and take thou unto thee all of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it uh, to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. So this gathering of the food is a harvest. He's harvesting the food from the ground, just as we read uh, before there in Genesis chapter 3. He's gathering that food uh, the, the, of the garden, the, the wheat and so forth, what he makes bread out of and so forth. And uh, he's, he's taking that and he's putting it onto the ark. And it's to be food for him and his family 
and for them, meaning the animals. So the animals at this point are still vegetarian. All right, let's move on a little bit further. Let's go on after the flood in Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis chapter 9, there is a change. Obviously, things atmospherically uh, changed because of the flood and the, the, the pressure of all the water going up and ascending up and then descend, or abating off of the earth. And uh, the atmosphere changes. Of course, we've gone through other studies to show that the ages changes as a result of this. And so let's take a look in Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But, here's a proviso, here's an, here's an exception, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. So in other, th- in other words, if the, the animal has not been bled, once it's been killed, they're not to eat of it. So he is, to, he is allowed to eat meat as long as they bleed it, as long as they drain the blood from it. That is the proviso that God adds to that. So notice it says, every moving thing that liveth uh, shall be meat for you, even as. Now, he's already conceded and already de- uh, declared that the, the green herb and the, the, the veg- uh, vegetation and so forth is for food, but now he's added meat to it as well. So it's all right to eat meat. And notice that there's not a, um, uh, a limit as to what kind of meat that they can eat. Notice it says there, every moving thing that liveth uh, shall be meat for you. All right, now that's post-flood. Now uh, we understand Bible history and so forth. God called out a nation for himself and uh, once that nation went down and trialed uh, down into Egypt and then came back out, uh, there was laws that were given to it. And part of that law that was given to it was a dietary law. I'm not going to read the whole dietary law. We can go to Leviticus chapter 11, though, and take a look at least at the first two verses. Leviticus chapter 11, and I believe the companion passage, if I'm not mistaken, is Deuteronomy chapter 14, which has some insightful things as you compare the two, because one tells you what you can't, and the other one tells you what you can eat. But it says this in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Now, obviously, God didn't listen to uh, PETA or those that have the ethics thinking that animals are equal to human beings. Because here God, in his own word, by his own word, is advocating eating 
meat. And here in the, the Levitical law, he is giving restrictions as to what the children of Israel could and could not eat. Now, if you want to find out what those things are, just go ahead and read the rest of chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter 14, and you'll find out what those things were. Um, let's move on to the New Testament. Now, obviously, we understand that, that a law-abiding Jew, there were certain things that they would not eat. It was an abomination to them. And so we find here something very interesting that takes place in Acts chapter 10. Turn to Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> here we, we have the, the main story, uh, which is about a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile. And uh, the story goes that Peter is getting a revelation from God that the word of God is not only to go to the Jews, but it's to go to the Gentiles as well. And so God uses a vision to try to get this message across to Peter. <clears throat> and it has a dual application because it, it marks the end of the dietary laws that were given to the Jews and it also marks the, the more spiritual uh, aspect of the fact that the Gentiles can be saved just as the Jews can be. So let's take a look in Acts chapter 10. Let's begin in verse 10. We'll read down through 14. It says, uh, and he, uh, talking about Peter, became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, in other words, they were cooking dinner down and downstairs. Uh, he went up into the, the rooftop. And he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts, creeping things and fowls of the air. And, the, <laughs> and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have uh, uh, neither eaten uh, anything that is common or unclean. And uh, I didn't have this verse written down here, but let me, let me go back to this scripture here because I had it written on my paper. There's a comment that's given to, uh, by God in regards to what Peter has said there. And uh, let's see if I can find it here real quick. I believe it's um, verse 15. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. So God's rebuking Peter, saying when, when God told him to rise, Peter, kill, and eat, and Peter's saying, No, not so, Lord. I, I've never eaten anything that's common unclean. And then God's telling him the, that he, he can and he should. So we see that. Now let's go back to where we started in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's take a look at verse 1 again. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, 
Notice, let's go on now. Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So there's more than one re- more than one reason of just trying to be spiritual when we bow our heads over our food. We're asking God to accept the food that we're about to eat and to bless it and to take, <laughs> if you will, any impurities out of it. We can receive it. We can eat it as long as we sanctify it with the word of God and prayer and that we're thankful for it. Now, what happening now, the law restricted the kind of meat that could be eaten. Now, God is removing, in the New Testament, God is removing that restriction and allowing, as Noah was able to do after the flood, now we are able to do in the New Testament, and everything is up for grabs. Catfish, lobster, uh, shrimp, all of that is good. But it wasn't good under the law. Now it is good. <clears throat> now let's let's jump ahead to a time in the future, which is called the millennium, which is a thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ here on this earth. And it kind of goes off into eternity, but we'll get there in a minute. In Isaiah chapter 11, we have, I mean, the whole chapter is, is about the, the millennium. It's about the branch, which is Jesus Christ <clears throat> ruling on this earth. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5 through 8, let's read this. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And the child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed in other words, they'll they'll feed side by side. They won't be the bear won't be eating the lion or the 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 cow, <clears throat> and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice's den. The curse that was given when Adam fell is now removed. And now all of those creatures, including man, will become vegetarian. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. The the curse is lifted. And now they're able to eat those vegetables and and fruits and things that, that they were able to eat during the time of the garden. Take a look in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 25. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. The dust shall be the serpent's meat and shall not be hurt nor destroy in any, in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Now, going from the millennium off into eternity, take a look in Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, take a look in verse 1. And he showed me a a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. 
And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielding her fruit every month, and the leaves were for the healing of the nations. Take a look in verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, I don't understand at all, and, uh, you know, some of it is somewhat vague to me, and I know that others seem to have a better command on this than I, but it it still appears, according to the Scripture, that there are going to be those that are going to have right to the tree of life. And that tree of life is going to bear fruit uh, once a month. It's going to uh, yield 12 manner of fruit. I don't know how all that's going to take place. I don't know if if the same trees each month are going to come out with a different fruit or what. I, I really don't know. But those living at that time are going to be able to partake of the tree of life. And you realize that it comes full circle? Do you realize the reason why God kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? was because they would have had opportunity to have part, take part of the tree of life, which would have given them eternal life. Go back to Genesis, you, you don't have to, uh, let me read it, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God uh, grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, how does all of this affect us now? To eat or not to eat? That's really, again, the question. Let's let's see what God has to say about that. Now, you know, I, I could probably come up with my own summation of things, and, and I will probably say something here towards the end. But my opinion really is, is worth nothing. It's the Word of God that you need to take heed to. So let's go to Romans chapter 14. <clears throat> Romans chapter 14. Let's begin in verse 1. We'll read some scriptures here, and hopefully you'll, you'll get the understanding of what God is, is trying to get across here. In verse 1, it says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. In other words, he's a vegetarian. Let not him that eateth, that eats meat, despise him that eateth not. That's a vegetarian. And let not him that which eateth not, vegetarian, Judge him that eateth, that eats meat. For God hath received him, both, he that eats meat and he that's a vegetarian. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. That's the crux of the whole matter. It's not my job to convince you that you ought to eat meat because I believe in eating meat. 
And it's not your job to convince me that I ought to be a vegetarian because you're a vegetarian. You see all the health benefits from it. You see how it can better my life and I can live longer and all that kind of stuff. Look, the Bible says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord doth he not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So to have a huge argument and to get overly passionate and feel that that we need to exert our will through intimidation or through influence or through inference or through law or anything else, God's situation or God's stance on this thing is, look, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now skip down to verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? in regarding being a meat-eater or being a vegetarian? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? Why are you breaking fellowship with him? Why, why are you setting him at not? Why are you putting him off to the side because he, he's not a vegetarian? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us, shall give an account, give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I, I know and am persuaded by the, Lord Jesus, by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now, whether you're a vegetarian, it makes no difference to me. Whether you're a meat eater, it makes no difference to me. I, I, <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be. God has given you that right and that freedom. For us to demand one of another that we adhere to our personal convictions is, I believe, according to Romans chapter 14, wrong. We're judging one another, and we're setting it not one another. I think Pastor Strobel and I have talked about this in time past, but there are folks in churches that will divide and and not fellowship in church. They won't come to, to the church uh, because the pastor has a particular stance on either vegetarianism or, or eating meat. And they break fellowship because of the issue. Uh, you know, the whole thing is that we're not supposed to put a stumbling block in front of our brother to cause him to fall. Now, if you're a vegetarian and you came over, and I knew you were a vegetarian, and you came over to my house, I wouldn't set pork down in front of you just to, to tweak you to cause you to be upset. 
I would, I would have more grace. If I understood that you were a vegetarian and that's the way you lived, then I would make accommodations for that. If I invited you over to my house for dinner, I wouldn't put a stumbling block in the way to cause you to stumble. So this, this whole heated issue that really it does come up in churches is really a sinful act because we're judging one another against something that God's already told us that we're not supposed to judge. Let me sum it up with a verse that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Folks, whether you're a vegetarian or a vegan or a meat eater, do it under the Lord and for the glory of God. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Amen. Thank, thank you, uh, Pastor Steve. Amen. That's good stuff. A lot of information there, too. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Pretty parched right now. Yeah. Well, uh, you didn't say anything about water, so I think that's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Pastor Matt wanted me to do this. <laughs> Good to have you on board, Pastor Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Amen. All right. Anything else we want to add? Amen. I think it was a, a good job. <clears throat> very uh, thought out. Very, it's Amen. it's it's balanced, but it's not good just because it's balanced. It's good because it was scriptural. Amen. And the scriptural position is a yeah. balanced position. And um, when people on either side of the issue, what, what, what makes this a problematic issue is that people on either side of it want to make a doctrine out of their side. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as Steve showed you from Romans 14, uh, it's clearly a personal matter. And I think well, there's a passage in there, in, uh, a place in there, it may be Romans 14, Romans 15, um, but it talks about it in there, and, and maybe it was even read, and I, uh, I don't remember at the moment, but it talks about how one eats meat and another one who is weak eateth herbs. Mm-hmm. And the weak, the weak there sometimes might even be because they're, they're weak physically, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe they need that. And so there's going to be people with different um, you know, physical makeups that uh, run better on some things and on the other. You know, I, I personally um, eat meat, but I don't eat meat as much as a lot of people do. And I, could, I can go for a week. I can go for two weeks. I go for a month without eating it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't have to have it. Jesus uh, himself, in regard to uh, the subject, uh, showed that he was not uh, promoting vegetarianism in that on, um, on two combined occasions, he fed over 9,000 people with fish. I know that the Catholics made a distinction between fish and meat, as uh, Steve was mentioning back um, before Vatican II visiting, uh, or, or, or when he was visiting with some of his, his people, and they had pre-Vatican II and post-Vatican II things, and they're eating meat on Friday, and, and now um, they just don't have to, they, they're just not allowed to eat meat on Fridays during Lent. But uh, that's when the Catholics uh, eat fish instead of um, uh, beef or, or pork, etc., uh, because they think that's okay. They think fish is not meat. But, but even a vegetarian knows that fish essentially is meat because they won't eat fish because it is flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I want to point this out as well, that Jesus himself ate fish, uh, and he ate it in his resurrection body. Mm -hmm. In Luke chapter 24, I'll read from verses 41 through 43, it says, uh, of the apostles uh, when he had met with them after his resurrection, and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Mm -hmm. So, just a little food for thought. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Hmm. Man, that's good. Good stuff. See what Matt missed? No, he's he's probably just... uh, Still eating, you know, the grain and things at home. And he doesn't know he can eat no. meat still. <laughs> he probably had the hamburger. <laughs> uh, although he likes going to Red Lobster. Yes, he does. You know, so he likes it, eating that forbidden stuff. He likes eating that shellfish. <laughs> he does. Well, I know one thing. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was good. So who's up next? I think it's, isn't it, Matt? I believe it is. We got, who was the last one? Last uh, one. Next events in God's prophetic calendar, that was Pastor Strobel. Yeah, so it's, it's, so it's uh, Matt. So young lad. The young lad's going to need to get a microphone. <laughs> Should come down to the studio. Yeah, it's a too far for him to drive. No, he's, he's young. He's a young lad. <laughs> he can make it. He's, young. he's saving money now. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it's a lot shorter than coming to Elma, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Proper West Seneca, but there's there's probably uh, uh, more incentive to come this direction. Ouch! It, Ouch! It, it, it's, <laughs> sorry, Dad. Ouch! <laughs> it seems to him, but a few miles for the love that he has for. Yes, yes. Uh, I wish I could think of more things to say about him because I know I'll listen, but I can't. <laughs> You could edit them in later. You know. I'm sure I can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Oh, well, Matt, we look forward. If you are listening, you're getting back on. Uh, we missed you tonight. Yeah, man. He's good. And thanks again for Pastor Matt for joining us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah glad to be here. I guess since, uh, since you came tonight, that means I got to go to church Sunday. Yeah, that, <laughs> is that the way that works? Yes, that, that's how it works. <laughs> you, you weren't going to go anyway? <laughs> well, of course I was. I was just teasing. It was a night pastor. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it's good. Glad everybody could get together tonight, well, except for Matt. Pastor Matt started playing the piano for us. It's very good. good. Let's do what I can. Steve is now singing. (laughs) He's multi-tracked himself. Yes. (laughs) He said steak. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Did did make me a little bit hungry now after listening to all this food talk. I just have to go down and eat some blueberries and some some fruit. To each his own, brother. To each his own. Fruit, you know, that blueberries are antioxidants. Sir. It's good stuff. Raspberries. I've been eating a lot of raspberries late in my cereal. It's not quite quite like a good ripe raspberry. Natural sweetness. That is good. Pastor Matt, what about you? I had tacos already. Tacos. (laughs) Yep. 
You like that Five Guys hamburger, don't you? That's pretty good. Do you guys have that up there? No, I've never heard of it. Uh, me neither. It's just the it take Five Guys to eat a sandwich or what? <laughs> you could. I mean, they're just big hamburgers with fries, and it's just it's good stuff. Wow. It's going to be a while before you eat that again, huh, Eric? Yeah, since I'm... Uh, since I am uh, on the for, wagon, huh? For health reasons, yeah, I'm looking to lose some weight. Hey, Amen. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's a denial of self always comes in handy once in a while. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thanks again, and Lord willing, we'll uh, reconvene next time. Amen. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.